Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing today? L.J., doing good. Uh, We had a full slate of games today. A lot of exciting things happened. Uh, some teams are getting coronavirus. Uh, we had a couple of walk-offs here. Uh, really fun day in the league. Shall we Shall we get right into it? Yeah, we're going to go get ahead and get into one of the more interesting days with one of the more interesting stats of the day. Orioles-Mets. In the seventh, Raker who pitches Pat Valeka hit a sack fly to break the pitching gridlock. Galvis for Baltimore and Conforto for New York both drove in runs in the eighth, bringing us to the bottom of the ninth with a two to one O's lead. In the ninth, Kevin Pillar scored on a Dom Smith single. Jonathan VR then moves up to third base on a throwing error. Pinch hitting for the pitcher, Pat Mazika, a recently called up Met. Grounds into a fielder's choice, allowing Jonathan VR to score the walk-off run. Brandon, this is his second walk-off of his career. Pat Mazika now has three career RBIs and zero career hits. Wow. <laughs> wow. Including two crazy. walk-off RBIs. He's got 
he one came on a walk. So in his first career, yeah, it was his first career at bat was a pinch hit again for the pitcher a couple days ago. Bases is loaded and he gets walked on to drive in the run. And then now two fielder's choice RBI walk-off wins for Mazika. Uh, give the win to Yuri's Familia. Marcus Stroman went six inning, six and a third of an inning, allowing one earned run and striking out five. Again, really, I think across the board, I can say this was a very strong day for the starting pitching. This is the type of baseball I, would li- I like to see where there's guys going deep into games, even if they do give up a couple runs. Um, lo- the loss will be given to Baltimore closer Cesar Valdez. The unsinkable John Means went six innings, allowing six hits and zero earned runs. Brandon, I'm not sure if you've noticed this. I certainly have because I've been watching on the MLB package, the Red Sox uh, last series. So all of those games were done with the uh, Baltimore commentary. They have nothing to talk about except John Means. What John Means is doing, what John Means has done, the entire fan, fan sphere of the Baltimore Orioles revolves around whatever John Means is doing. Today was a high holiday for them. And this, this flip, this switch has pretty much just been flipped. So I, I'm thankful I'm not an Orioles fan. I'm thankful I have better things to talk or complain about than that. Next is the now, dark uh, night. Can I, can I ask one question on that? Yeah. Uh, what would you say is worse? The way that ESPN treats LeBron or the way that the Orioles commentary and fan base has been treating John Means? Brandon, does ESPN have a football show? <laughs> yes. Does ESPN cover baseball? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Professional and college. Yes. Therefore, they spend a lower percentage of time talking about LeBron than these commentators spend talking about John Means, who doesn't even play a daily. So I'm going to have to go with the uh, um, MASN uh, color and play-by-play guy. I'm not sure who they are exactly, but for the... It's not Gary Thorne anymore, which which sucks that they fired him, but mm. yeah. All right. Oh, I think I'm next, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Basically, everybody decided to play in the National League Parks today, which is fun. Up one nothing in the third, Ronald Acuna breaks the four-way tie for home runs by hitting a solo piece, which was nullified by a two-run piece by Vladdy Guerrero Jr. an inning later. Marcelo Zuna hit a solo bomb, but a three-run eighth inning for Toronto won it. The final, five to three Jays. Give the win to Tyler Thornton. Robbie Ray went six innings, allowing three earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The loss will be given to reliever A.J. Minter. Bryce Wilson went six innings, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. Today we will see Hyunjin Ryu versus Max Free. All right, on to the Cubs and the Indians. Wilson Contreras got the scoring opened up with a single in the top of the second to make it 1-0 Cubs. Bottom of the fourth, Jose Ramirez hits his 10th home run of the year to make it a tie ball game. Eric Sogard would go yard for Chicago to take a 2-1 to lead, but Cesar Hernandez responded with a two-run home run in the bottom of the fifth to take the lead for Cleveland. They hold on to win 3-2. to 
The wind is Shane Bieber, now four and two on the year. Six and two thirds, nine hits, two runs, eight Ks for him. The loss goes to Adbert Alzali, now one and three on the year. Six innings, five hits, three runs, and six Ks for him. Emmanuel Classe gets his seventh save of the year. The Indians have won eight of their last 10. Today's matchup is Zach Davies taking on Sam Henches. All right, over to the Mariners and the Dodgers. The M's got out to a 4-1 lead thanks in part to a two-home run day from Mitch Hanniger. The Dodgers got two on the board in the seventh thanks to Corey Seager, and then in the eighth, Gavin Lux hit a three-run bomb. Your final, 6-4 LA. Give the win to Garrett Clevenger. Walker Bueller went seven innings, allowing four earned runs and striking out eight batters. The loss will be given to Rafael Montero. Yusei Kikuchi went six and a third of an inning, allowing three earned runs and 11 strikeouts. Give the save to Kenley Jansen, his sixth on the year. Today we get to see Justin Dunn and Julio Urias. Royals and Tigers. The Tigers scored seven runs across the fourth and fifth innings, thanks to a string of RBI singles in the fourth and then a Robbie Grossman three-run triple in the fifth. The Tigers took a 7-0 lead into the eighth and then allowed a three-run home run by Jorge Soler. So top of the ninth, the Tigers led by four, but they proceed to blow the lead. They allow seven unanswered runs by Kansas City to tie the game. But in the bottom of the ninth, the Tigers step up and Robbie Grossman said, let's get out of here. Walks it off for the Tigers. They win eight to seven. LJ, this is called making things way harder than they should be. Go up 7-0, then allow seven runs in the eighth and ninth, and then walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. Well, some people just like the drama. I mean, if you're going to be losing the majority of the year, you might as well get your money, uh, let your fans get the, your money's worth out of yeah. the wins. Grant, granted, I think a seven run, seven plus run lead, if you're like blowing the team out, would it have probably been just as sweet if they'd won 14 to three? Yes. Yeah. But I will also take a, a, uh, a, um, yeah, I'll also take a walk off any day. Uh, so the win goes to to a Gregory Soto now three and one on the year. The loss to Scott Barlow one and one on the year, both out of their respected bullpens. The Royals have now lost nine in a row. Today's matchup is Danny Duffy taking on Casey Mize. All right, next we got the Rangers and the Giants. The Giants got out. Out of the first, up two to one. They scored two on a throwing error, which allowed them to tank a David Dahl solo piece. The Giants win this one four to two. Give the win to Logan Webb. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts. Jordan Lyles will get the loss for Texas. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. The save will go to Jake McGee. Over in the Padres and the Rockies, the Rockies held a 1-0 lead until the fifth, where Manny Machado goes yard to the tune of two runs. A six-run six-inning for the Padres makes this win look easy. 8-1 to one, San Diego. Give the win to Miguel Diaz. The loss to Antonio Senzatella. 
He went five innings long, four earned runs. These two teams will play a doubleheader today. I believe both Snell and Darvish will be on the mound for San Diego. All right. Uh, my New York Yankees taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees jumped out to a 1-0 lead in top of the first on an Aaron Judge home run, his eighth of the season. Uh, it was nice to see him, uh, you know, have a great home run in the top of the first because he's been struggling as a late. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that this will uh, break up his slump a little bit. He had another hit later in the game as well. Uh, but two pass balls allowed Giancarlo Stanton to score in the top of the third and make it 2-0. But in the bottom of the third, the Rays' Mike Zunino uncorked a 472-foot home run, the longest in Tropicana field history uh, since StatCast has been a thing, which is 2015. LJ, the guy that he beat was Alex Rodriguez, who did it in 2015 with – or 2016, excuse me, with a 471-foot home run. So, well, Brandon, you know, why, you know why that is? Do you realize how hard you have to hit it to get it that far at Tropicana Field? Oh, because you can't hit the roof. You, you, can yeah. o- you can only hit it so far up in the air without it hitting the roof. So you have to basically hit it on the line, 472 feet. Well, he hit it to, to a dead center. It was a very nice uh, – home run but that uh made it so the Rays trailed two to one top of the seventh L Gary gets in on the action with a home run of his own and the Yankees win three to one give the win to Jordan Montgomery now two and one on the year six innings two hits one run nine K's the loss goes to Luis Patino now one and one on the year four innings three hits one earned run and three K's the save goes to Aroldis Chapman, his eighth on the year, still has yet to allow an earned run. The Yankees have won three in a row and eight out of their last 10. Garrett Cole takes the mound for the Bronx Bombers today, facing off against Colin McHugh, who will likely be the opener and only pitch two to three innings. Uh, LJ, you were on Twitter tonight, and um, yeah, you just wrote in the doc here, LJ hates Yankees Twitter. Yes, I hate officially hate Yankees Twitter. It is the dumbest group of people I may have ever seen exist. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, Let's just start here with a mutual agreement. We can agree that there really is no such thing, especially on Twitter, as sarcasm and joking, unless it's the single most blatant thing ever. Yeah, like it has to be like, you Usually know, emojis or gifts. Yeah, or no, you can make it very obvious if it's like at the complete other end of the spectrum of like what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like it has to be so obvious. That- yes, and so to extend this, if if we're saying it's this hard for there to be any sarcasm, there certainly cannot be group sarcasm. Is that correct? I would say so, yeah. Like, like there's there's no way for me to logically say, okay, every single person that said this exact same thing was all just trying to make this gigantic joke. Some of them had to at least believe it a little bit. Now, let's tie this back into the yes coverage that I've been complaining about for a very long time, which has been hiding Gary Sanchez's deficiencies as much as they can. I don't know, maybe it's because he was the first one to come up. 
um, of this group and they want to protect him. He's the little baby still. Um, mommy's a little boy. But today, of course, you have the two pass balls by Mike Zunino. Atrocious place. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, well, to be fair, to be fair. One of Patino's pitches was sometimes cutting one way and other times cutting another way. Like he couldn't control one of his pitches. He was too hot. Like you could tell that he was overthrowing that pitch. You're not helping your case here because you haven't got, heard my point yet. Oh, okay. I then go onto Twitter after these past balls that scored runs and see at minimum five separate accounts saying either C, Gary Sanchez isn't that bad or B, Gary Sanchez is the best defensive catcher in the American League East. Brandon, I almost started crying when I see these things. And I have two sections to prove how dumb this is, how dumb it is that I've seen this from multiple locations. First off, how are these two things related at all? Mike Zanino makes a couple of bad plays and all of a sudden Gary Sanchez is the best defensive catcher in the division. I mean, did, did Chris, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but did Christian Vasquez just stop existing all of a sudden? Um, I have no backing for this, but did Pedro Severino just stop existing for a hot second? Uh, did Dan, did, did Danny Jansen, Kyle Higashioka has been the best catcher yes. in the AL East by a mile. Like, it's not even close. It's not even so, close. Kyle Higashioka is easily the best catcher in the AL East this year. Who, who, on, who on earth, how on earth does someone go from this guy makes a couple of mistakes to the backup catcher for the New York Yankees is the best defensive catcher in the league? It's the most irrational statement on surface level, just thinking about it without numbers. I can one, one of them that I can remember seeing on Twitter. I then go and I try to find statistics for this. So I went the first place I go, because realistically, Brandon, you can agree the most relevant and consistently relevant thing to look at for catchers is framing. There's a lot more to it, but it's an easy look. That's probably the most important defined stat of theirs. Would you not agree? If it's not, they're hitting, but like, I, yeah. I don't know. But like from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Stack has okay. training. Yeah. So here we have in second place in terms of strike rate. So how many in the shadow zone they're able to get of that, that little border between the, the outside, the outside of the strike zone and the inside of the out of the strike zone? How many of those can they get to be strikes? In second place. We have Mike Zanino at 53%. I'm not sure how he all of a sudden became the world's most terrible catcher after one game. In third, 
we have the starting catcher for the New York Yankees, Kyle Higashioka at 52.4%. Now, let's go find Gary. The first thing that I finally I eventually found, Gary Sanchez hasn't even had enough innings behind the plate to qualify. So to be fair to him, give him his fair shake. I went out to a hundred, a minimum hundred pitches called and then tried it again. Brandon, where do you think I found him? Probably towards the bottom. Actually, I lost him again. Hold on. If it wasn't 32. Yeah, there it is. 52. 45.6%. He's ranked. He is the 52nd catcher that has caught any pitches this year. I'm not meaning to... I wasn't coming into this evening thinking, hey, I want to pick on Gary Sanchez. Usually when I pick on Gary Sanchez, that's what I come into the evening trying to do and finding things to back it up throughout the evening. No, this is them going out of their way to absolutely trigger me on how much he gets covered for, how ridiculous this is. All right, so... Uh, you're you are making Gary <laughs> seem like that he's having an absolutely terrible season no. this year when he has been, according to weighted runs created plus, an above average hitter. It's at 102. He's been above league average this year. LJ, I think that we both, I mean, I'm sure you understand it too, but the the catcher position this year has been terrible hitting wise across the league like find 10 catchers that are like worthy on your team over, over Gary Sanchez right now it's hard like right now in the AL East here's the weighted runs created plus for catchers number one Kyle Higashioka 161 number two Francisco Mejia 130 number three Mike Zanino 129 uh Number four, Alejandro Kirk, 127. Gary slides in next. Behind him, this is all catchers that are under 100 weighted runs created plus, so not average. Christian Vasquez, Kevin Ploiecki, Danny Jansen. So uh, Gary has been a good hitter this year. Framing-wise, he is not good. Higashioka has been good. And yes, it's been a small sample for him, but that's why I said he's the best catcher in the AL East because his hitting stats are way better than these guys. Brandon, I'm not trying to say that Gary had is having a bad year by any means. That's not what I'm going out here to do. What I'm going out here to do is try to figure out how on earth, first off, how on earth do you get to go from one conclusion to the next of Mike Zanino makes makes to yeah. Gary Sanchez is a good defensive catcher. And then we find the statistical evidence to say that, that and I think you really just agreed with me here, yeah. Gary Sanchez is nowhere near on the same defensive level as the likes of Mike Zanino, as the likes of um, even his own, the starter that's ahead of him in Kyle Higashioka. There is, yeah, I think, you named at least yeah three, four. There's at least four other catchers in this division that are defensively better than him. 
that's where I'm trying to figure out how all of those guys just stopped existing to Yankees Twitter for about 30 minutes this evening. That's, so, that's what bothered me. Yeah, when it comes to, to Gary's framing, it's really interesting. So his rookie season, 2016, he's in the 75th percentile of framing. Like, that's really good. 2017, hmm. he drops down to, where is it here? The 44th percentile. 2018, he's back up there, 72, 72nd percentile. He was a good framing catcher. Then we jump to 2019, 25th percentile. Like, how do you go from 72nd to 25th percentile in one year? How does that happen? 2020, 39th percentile, 2021, 21st percentile. He's gotten worse. Like, if you were... If you were able to be in the 70th percentile two times in your career already, how do you just lose that like lose that skill? Like I understand how hard framing is. Don't get me wrong; it's insanely hard to do. But uh, if you're I, already doing it, how are you doing it so much poorly? Uh, so poorly now? Yeah. Like yeah, you're right because like yes, more catchers come into the league every year. It is theoretic, theoretically possible if you're in the 70th um, percentile that you're going to go down. You could go down a little bit because, say, a worse defensive catcher is coming is being replaced by a better defensive catcher. But that's a huge decrease. But I, yeah, I think overall we have we have hit on my point. That was, that was what upset me. Not trying to. Um, get into a debate on Gary Sanchez's overall worth right now. I'm just saying we can do that another that time. He is yes, yeah, so we can definitely do that another time. He is far being far too overrated by the Yankee, Yankees fandom right now. Yeah, let me just say one last point. Yankees Twitter, if you find the correct accounts, it's very enjoyable. But there is a very toxic side of the fan base that I don't like. Um, LJ, it is you with the next. It's two. always me. The Reds <laughs> Twitter talked a lot, a lot before this game, Brandon. That when they when they sent out their lineup, they said they flat out said, "Are who wants to make it nine in a row in Pittsburgh?" Apparently, they have won. They had won going into this game, their last eight games, at the going at the Pittsburgh Pirates at PNC Park or whatever that is. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um. And so they're like, let's make it nine, flat out calling the Pirates out before the game. So let's see how this went. Jesse Linker was the most relevant red today. He hit a bomb in the second that I believe went into the river and a very nice RBI double later, but that's all since he could muster. The Pirates win it seven to two and just absolutely clap back at them, quote tweeting their, their, their post with just flat out no. That's all they needed. That's all they had to say. Give the win to JT Brew Baker. He went six innings, allowing one earned run. The loss will be given to Cincinnati's Jeff Hoffman. He went four innings, allowing three earned runs. Next is Sonny Gray and Trevor Cahill. LJ, it is still you. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Marlins D-backs. Nick Ahmed's solo homer in the second was a precursor to five run innings in the fifth and the eighth. Arizona takes down the Marlins 11-3.
Give the win to Madison Bumgarner. He went seven innings of shutout ball with nine strikeouts or no run ball. Um, the loss will be given to Pablo Lopez. He went four and a third in an inning, allowing six earned runs. Zach Gallen will go toe-to-toe with journeyman TBD today. Astros and Angels, it was a scoreless. It was scoreless until the bottom of the fifth when Kyle Tucker homered to make it a 1-0 Houston lead. Top eight, yes, we jump all the way to the top eight. Taylor Ward hits a home run for the Angels to tie it at one. In the bottom of the eighth, the Angels' bullpen implodes, allows four runs, one on a Michael Brantley single, three on a Yuli Gurriel home run. The Astros win five to one. The win to Lance McCullers, eight innings, three hits, one run, nine K, shut down the Angels' offense tonight. The loss to Aaron Sleegers, uh, now two and one on the year. Shohei Otani got the start, seven innings, four hits, one run, 10 Ks, went one for four hitting. He had one of the three hits for the Angels. Uh, yeah, the Angels three and seven in their last 10. Andrew Heaney takes on Jose Urquidy today. LJ, heading into this game, the Angels led the league in runs allowed per game. They were in the bottom three in uh, ERA or team ERA. It's a clear problem. They're yeah. last in the AL West. It's almost as if this wasn't a clear problem, say, going into this season or going into last season. It's almost like this is completely unavoidable. And Otani pitched so well tonight. Seven innings of one run ball with 10 Ks. And stayed into play in the field. Yeah. That fearsome arm in right field. I forget who it was. I think it was Altuve that didn't run on him. I was really hoping to see what we had going out there as far as a playing arm, not not pitching arm. Oh, but, I just realized that they kept him in to play the field. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, because he was going to come up in the ninth. So they just did basically did a double switch and put him into right rather than. Oh, yeah, because they don't have their DH anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Rather than um, pull him from the game entirely. So they got one more at bat out of my believe he struck out. But yeah. that's unimportant. If they can get him playing the field with semi consistency, that could be huge for this team. I mean, he has seemed to this year handle doing double duty very well so far um mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner this holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. MLB The Show has certainly given us a platform, a pathway to playing both of the fields and 
pitching. I mean, I know this is a video game. However, I hadn't really thought about trying to mix a guy like this into the field until this. But if you give him two DH days a week or maybe an off day every rotation and a DH day or two, you could put him in the field for a day or two here or there. I'm, again, we don't really know how good he is defensively, but you never know. I mean, it could certainly be an asset for this team to be able to get other guys a little more rest rather than having to have him hold up that DH spot hostage every single time out. And you would have to imagine that even if he's not good in the field, whatever value that he's taking away from you there, he's already making back up by both pitching and hitting. So mm. it's not the worst thing in the world if he's not the best uh, player on defense. No, and again, this also solves part of their problem, at least as far as uh, getting consistent offense throughout the time that mm. uh, he's pitching. Because if you're able to get at least one more plate appearance out of him, that's an asset for your team on days he's going. If he goes seven and you're able to get an at-bat in in the eighth or ninth, that's only going to help the team. How would you feel about him hitting hitting leadoff once they get uh, Anthony Rendon back? Do like Otani, Trout, Rendon, Walsh, Upton, and then put Fletcher like sixth? Hmm. I mean, I guess... You see, that's the thing, is I feel like this year, more than any other year, because I was just talking about this with uh, Papa Elge earlier, that the Red Sox are sorely in need of a legitimate leadoff hitter, especially when Kike Hernandez isn't able to take that role. There seems to be, I feel like there's such a void of true leadoff hitters right now in baseball, or at least I keep thinking of teams that could really use them. The Angels are one of them. The Red Sox are another. I just, I'm not sure I love him in that role, but I can't think of somebody who would be better off for the team. You know? All right. Uh, Phillies Nationals. In the top of the first, Bryce Harper went back to his favorite place in all of Washington, the upper deck in right field. The Phillies win this one six to two. Give the win to Chase Anderson. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss will be Eric Fetty's. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs. Today we have Zach Wheeler versus John Lester. All right. Uh, on the to the Twins and the White Sox. The Twins scored three in the top of the second, part and thanks to uh, a Jorge Polanco home run. Bottom two, Yasmani Grandal hits a home run of his own, a three-run home run to tie the game at three. In the bottom of the sixth, Jose Abreu goes yard to give the White Sox a 5-3 lead. Bottom seven and bottom eight, the White Sox string together timely hits. They score four more runs, and they win 9-3. The win to Garrett Crochet out of the bullpen, his first win on the year. He's now one and two. Uh, the White Sox starter was Dylan Cease, five innings, five hits, three runs, and seven Ks for him. The loss goes to Jorge Alcala out of the Chicago, or excuse me, out of the Minnesota bullpen. Uh, the White Sox have won four in a row. 
it will be Jay Happ taking on Dallas Keuchel today. All right, next we got the A's and the Red Sox. A J.D. Martinez sack fly scored the first runs for the Sox today. Evaldi only allowed one run in his six innings, but when he left the game, a wild Darwins and Hernandez allowed two earned runs. Rafi Devers effortlessly hit one oppo on the monster in the seventh, but the Red Sox fall three to two. Give the win to Chris Bassett. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The loss will be given to Darwins and Hernandez. Go to the corner and think about what you've done, sir. Nathan Ivaldi will have pitched in the game. He will not get the loss, of course, as he went six innings, allowing one earned run. The save will be given to Jake Dykeman. He went, uh, this will be his fourth save of the year. I'm sorry. Next, we got the Cardinals and the Brewers. This game was tied one apiece going into the 11th with Brad Boxberger on the mound. And Brandon, I think Brad Boxberger might have forgotten the rules of the game. (laughs) Because, I mean, I figure, you figure this, Brandon. You got a guy on second, nobody out in extra innings in a baseball game, generally a baseball game. You don't really want guys to score. The whole point is to not let guys score. So ideally, this would be your list of things you'd like to have happen with Paul Goldschmidt at the plate. You'd like him to strike out first. Weak contact that maybe moves doesn't move the runner over. Weak contact that moves the runner over. At best, just scoring that one run that's inherent uh, the inherited runner. Then way down the list would be what happened to Brad Boxberger. Uh, Brad Boxberger gave up a Paul Goldschmidt dinger to left center, which was followed up by a warning track double to the same spot by Nolan Arenado. I kid you not, this was maybe five, six feet away from being back-to-back home runs to the exact same location off of Brad Boxberger. He then hits another player with a pitch and then gives up another home run to Tyler O'Neill, St. Louis wins this one six to one. Give the win to Alex Reyes. The loss to Brad Boxberger, sir. Go in the corner and think about what you've done as well. You can join Darwin's and Hernandez right over there. Freddie Peralta started this game for Milwaukee. He went seven innings with zero earned runs and eight strikeouts. All right, let's get on to the PPP, particular players people should care about. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Jesse Winker, three for four tonight for the Reds, two RBIs that raises his average up to 374, uh, OPS up to 1.114, absolutely crushing the ball this year, Uh, and that's why LJ and I picked him for the for our pick for the MLB Daily Hall of Fame for the Reds. Absolutely. Next up, we've got a guy who I have a feeling might be a very strong contender for the Hall of Fame next week when we talk about the Miami Marlins we were supposed to talk about this week. And that's Jesus Aguilar, who looks like he might be getting on another hot streak for him. This is now back-to-back nights with a home run. He is now two-thirds of the way to a bingo-bango Yahtzee. All right. Uh, 
My next guy is a pitcher, and it's John Means. Uh, LJ, it's pretty ironic that we're talking about him now because you were talking about how all, all the Baltimore fans do is talk about him, but he needs to be talked about. He has been lights out this year, coming off of the no-hitter, uh, comes out and pitches very well against the Mets tonight. Uh, all of his expected stats look good, and now his uh, season stats, 52 innings, 53 strikeouts, a 1.21 ERA, and a .71 FIP. You combine that when he's uh, top 10 percentile in average exit velocity, top 15 percentile in expected ERA. He's really putting together a very good season. Yeah, honestly, again, he certainly deserves to be talked about. It just gets to be a little sad when it's like that mother, that stay-at-home mom who then goes out for girls' night and only talks, her only conversation point is her kids and what their her kids are mm. doing because, like, that's her entire life. This is every ball. John Means right now is every Baltimore Orioles fan's entire life. That's yeah. all they care about. That's all they think about. That's all they do. The only exception to where this seems healthy is my parents talking about me because I'm really cool. My next one is going to be Brandon Madison Bumgarner, of course, goes seven innings, zero earned runs today. And this is really more of a question rather than people making making people sure uh, making sure people care about him. Is Mad Bum kind of back? I mean, I'm gonna, kind I'm gonna be of like he's been he's been above average this year. I'll say he, that he's been above average. Yes, he's been above average, but I think you have to look at where he came from. I mean, of yeah. course, we've talked about this on this show before in the past. How every single pitcher, or not every single pitcher, I should say, a lot of pitchers, those even good ones, they have this changeover when they get a little older where you know you're not able to throw as fast you have to kind of rework things even maybe your pitching your pitching repertoire has just gotten stale people are used to what you're seeing and you're not as successful as you used to be Madison Bumgarner hit this one he hit it pretty hard I'm not gonna lie went from being a perennial Cy Young candidate to all of a sudden just being a slightly above average or even below average player in his last um, year or so in San Francisco and then last year in Arizona as well. Brandon, frankly, he looked more like Brian Bumgarner than Madison Bumgarner uh, for that stretch of time. But then all of a sudden we see these flashes. We see the no-hitter, which we absolutely count on this show um, a couple weeks ago. We see seven innings of shutout ball. We also see a 4.12 ERA right now with an 85 ERA plus. That is not those are not those are not good numbers. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. However, are we starting to see him come out of that shell and turn into a above average pitcher who's kind of figured his way to back to relevance? Yeah, I mean. I think that this is a guy who, you know, he's only 31 years old. Like, he's not. Seriously? Yeah, he's not that yeah. old. He's really not that old. I mean, 
to see him have an absolute uh, like blow up season last year was surprising considering this was a guy who was so so dominant you know not not so much in 2010 on that first championship team he did have a part on that but on those other Giants championship teams and you know to see him go to Arizona and not do good last year sucked because I've watched this guy just be so good for so long but he's kind of back this year I mean he has that he has the the uh, seven inning no hitter, which should count as a no hitter. But we've been over that. Uh, he's a fun pitcher to watch when he's on. And uh, you know these these last few years, he he uh, started throwing the cutter. Hasn't really been throwing the fastball as much. And hopefully it it uh, pays off for him. He's so he's certainly going to be one of the guys that I remember when I talk about pitchers that I watched growing up. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Again, I think that's why we're going to hold on. He's one of those guys we're going to hold on hope for for a little too long. Not in the same way like Matt Harvey was kind of a reality mm-hmm. that he hadn't figured it out. He hadn't made a very smooth. He did not make a very smooth transition from being a number one starter in a big market competitive Cy Young, potential Cy Young candidate to veteran pitcher who needs to figure some things out. He did not make that transition smoothly. It took him like four teams to do it. Um, I hope that Madison Bumgarner isn't this way because again, yeah, we've seen so much out of this guy. We, I frankly, I genuinely do think we're seeing a lot of stuff. I think we could be on the precipice of him going from up and down to consistently quite up and making himself a valuable member of this Arizona Diamondbacks team. All right, let's get on to the leaderboards uh, as we do every day. We're going to start it off with war for hitters. It is still Mike Trout in first at 2.5, Byron Buxton in second at 2.4, Ronald Acuna in third, 2.3. War for pitchers, Jacob DeGrom in first at 2.3. Garrett Cole in second at 2.2. He makes a start today, so he could surpass Jacob DeGrom. And in third, he has passed Corbin Burns. It is now John Means at 1.8. Home runs, Ronald Acuna now has sole possession of first. He has 11. LJ, how about this? So uh, as of a couple days ago, Mike Trout was uh, leading the league in average on base percentage, slugging, and OPS. Jesse Winker overtakes him for uh, slugging percentage. Is now slugging 682 this year. For walks, uh, I did a little extended leaderboard for this because I found another cool trend. So Max Muncy has the most walks, 34 the second most is Yasmani Grandal at 27. So Max Muncy already has a seven-walk lead over second place. Uh, third place for walks is a three-way tie between Joey Gallo, Robbie Grossman, and Carlos Santana at 26. Joey Gallo also leads the league in strikeouts. Uh, he has 55 strikeouts this year. So third in walks, first in strikeouts. It's similar to... Last night when I was talking about Jose Quintana, who is number like three in the league in Ks per nine, but last in the league in walks per nine. Um, 
But yeah, Joey Gallo, 55 strikeouts. Matt Chapman, 50 strikeouts. Eugenio Suarez, 49 strikeouts. And then for pitchers, Shane Bieber pitched tonight. He is now at 85 strikeouts. Behind him is Tyler Glass now with 75. All right, I guess now we want to talk a little bit about uh, some COVID situations that uh, came up today in the league. Yeah, Brayden, I think we should start first with this Yankees one. Um, I have not heard much on this since the initial reporting. First, it looked like it was five. Then it was down to one with some testing clarification. What have you heard lately? So it looks like that we have like maybe three confirmed cases now. Um, So our third base coach, Phil Nevin tested positive first base coach Reggie Willits tested positive and then uh another staff member who they didn't uh specify tested positive uh these are considered what they call breakthrough positives which means that because these three were all fully vaccinated it gets that that a designation um, there's still some tests, I guess, that are still pending, but yeah, the Yankees, we didn't have, uh, quite a few of our coaching staff tonight. We didn't have a first or third base coach, of course. So we had our coordinator of baseball development, I think is his title. He was our first base coach. Third base coach was, um, the bench coach, Carlos Mendoza. And then we didn't have our pitching coach. So we had our our, our bullpen coach, Mike Harkey, he was our pitching and bullpen coach tonight. So he was running out to the mound to do a mound visit and then was also calling up the bullpen to make sure that everything was going on, was, was going smoothly down there. So, yeah, uh, but there was no players impacted by this outbreak. And, um, yeah, I'm happy that we got the W. I'm certainly don't take nobody take this as me wishing COVID on anyone. However, I have to wonder how much longer until Aaron Boone's mom is the next person on the packing order to be a coach for a day. <laughs> I have to about know. me. Like uh, how 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 close am I? <laughs> <laughs> so say they start they get a ref they get a bunch of paper slips put them in a hat shake it around it's got some random Yankees fans phone number on it they're told stick it to sit at first base and try not not cause any trouble well LJ next Uh, yeah we want to talk about the San Diego Padres uh specifically Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers so LJ Fernando Tatis he tested uh positive prior to the game correct yes he tested positive, I want to say it was sometime around 2 okay. Eastern, so around noonish, noonish 11 uh, Pacific. And then, if I'm correct, Myers tested positive mid-game. Mid-game is when his test hand. came back, so he had to get taken out. Uh, I, he only had one plate appearance, but then got subbed out in, I want to say, the third or fourth inning. Um, yeah, just weird but like the fact that he was playing and got COVID and it's like well, I'm pretty sure he didn't get COVID while he was playing right well no he didn't get it while he was playing but he had it while he was playing and he's 
standing in the dugout next to his teammates, like, yes, wearing a mask, but still they're throwing the ball around the infield. He's, he's touching it, you know. It's it's yeah. just weird times like this, like that. I, I don't yeah, understand you know, all the rules and everything. It's so it's it's so different everywhere that you go. That I'm kind of I'm in ba- with baseball. I, if I were them, I'd be completely over freaking out. Yeah, because again, exactly. we're talking. This is the middle of May, and this is the first real testing issue. First time we've heard of anyone testing positive since the season started, since everybody on these teams started getting vaccinated, it's going to happen. Of course, this is a far from perfect vaccine that we've got, but it's the best. It, it's a lot better. It works. Yeah. It, it, it works very well. And sometimes like this is going to happen. Sometimes this stuff happens in all sorts of things. I mean, for Pete's sake, we make our flu shots each year to my knowledge based on last year's flu and it's a completely different flu this year so a lot of it's kind of just hoping that the majority of the same things carry over from one one year's flu to the next year's flu so overall i mean i think they're not uh they've done a great job the mlb has in terms of getting encouraging people to get vaccinated and still maintaining social distancing out there. So if I were them, I'd feel plenty safe, even with having a guy there, having a guy hanging around the dugout. I mean, overall, there was very few significant issues. There was very few outbreaks, even when guys did test positive and they were around their team last year. And now you have this pretty sizable brick wall of a vaccine in between each of you. So yeah. Overall, last year it went so smoothly with guys that I can't imagine this year not moving incredibly better. Yeah, and I mean, especially uh, LJ, like you, you got to attend quite a few uh, Red Sox games this year, and because of the vaccine, you were able to do that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. is that I'm not sure what the requirements were for Fenway, but I'm assuming it had to be something. There were none. What's that? There were none. Oh, so you could just show up if you had yep. a ticket and just wear uh, yeah. uh, where You had to wear a mask at all times and you had to do that basic health screening before you were able were allowed to enter mm. any of the Fenway facilities. However, they didn't ask officially for like a test or a vaccine. Okay, because right? I know when me and you go to that Yankees game, you have to have either your vaccine card or like a test within 72 hours prior to the game. Sure. When is that game again? I think it's June 6th. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I think we can wrap up today's show. Um, thank you for listening. The only baseball podcast coming to you with content seven days out of the week. That we know of. That we know of. Uh, if there's another one, please please let them contact us. We would love to talk to them. Um, But yeah, that's going to do it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We've been very active. Of course, we have the, the, the giveaway contest going. Uh, LG, I saw Dan D'Amico got today's answer. Correct. Yes. Uh, Again, if you guys see the congratulations going around, show that as much, as much love. And also please, 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 
get on at MLB Daily Pod. Each day there will be a new trivia question. Some days harder, some days easier. It depends on how inspired I am that day. Um, whoever the first person is to get it correct will get a point towards the end of the year. And whoever ends up getting the most total questions correct this season will get a Belly Up Sports t-shirt as well as the the at minimum the first MLB Daily shirt. It all depends on if we decide to release one earlier than that. If we decide to release one earlier than the end of the year, then we'll probably do another one. But again, that's all, of course, up to things later on. But you'll basically get whatever whatever MLB Daily shirts are out at that point, as well as a Belly Up Sports shirt on us. Just have to give us your size and shipping, and we will get that to you. But just just play. Have fun. We've got a lot of really – Brandon can attest to this. I've put together some pretty fun – interesting challenging questions so far yeah it's been a lot of fun for me to participate in them of course my answers don't count but i did get today's answer yes correct Um, actually do we want do we want to talk about the questions each day sure yeah we can talk about it real quick um i'm forgetting what it is oh yeah brandon you can go through your thought process again as i said before um i did give the hint that it is an nl central pitcher Despite being in the top five in home runs allowed, this player is the least deserving of the group as he barely ranks in the top 100 in average exit velocity. Brandon, who am I? So you said that he ranks in the top five in home runs allowed. So, of course, that can easily narrow the search down to five players there. So thank you for that hint. So those five... Well, technically it's six because there's a two-way tie for fifth, but they are Mike Fultonavich, Kyle Hendricks, Patrick Corbin, Tariq Skubal, Jordan Lyles, Drew Smiley. So, of course, the question is about average exit velocity. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, all right, which one of these gives up soft contact? So immediately Kyle Hendricks comes to mind because he's a guy who – doesn't throw a hard fastball and is a really good control pitcher. So I'm, I'm then I'm between him and Patrick Corbin because Patrick Corbin has really good stuff. I mean, this is a guy, a guy who has been a consistently good pitcher. So I'm looking on that uh, picture that you post of their stat casting and I see that the walk percentage they're very high in that, which means that they don't walk a lot of batters. And I know Patrick Corbin has struggled with control this year, so I was like, all right, it's got to be Kyle Hendricks, especially when you uh, look at the fastball velocity in the first percentile. No way Patrick Corbin throws a fastball that slow. So I went with Kyle Hendricks, and uh, that was the correct answer. A uh, really, really cool question, though. That was That's interesting, uh, this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got another great one for tomorrow. We, I will talk to Brendan about that a little later. And we're excited to do that with you guys. So come on over and check it out. All right. Well, make sure you follow us at MLB Daily Pod on Twitter. Make sure you follow LJ at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. Make sure you follow me at Brandon underscore Karam. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. And we will see you tomorrow. See you manana.
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.